0: For the past three weekends, we have been in the midst of a series on our A Classic Christmas um, series. And uh, who can remember the very first weekend, what we've been doing is taking classic Christmas movies, good ones, and uh, <laughs> and we have been using those to prompt uh, our uh, teaching and lessons that we tie to God's Word. So the first one was entitled A more wonderful life and um, the last weekend we talked about a miracle greater than the one on 34th street remember those of you who are here and tonight is the final message in the series which is taken from a Christmas carol which I think uh, may hold the record for the number of versions that have been done from from all the way back to its original one. But, uh, but anyway, uh, tonight the title is A Christmas Carol for Today. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about A Christmas Carol. This was a classic novel. Obviously, it uh, didn't begin as a movie. It began as a, as a novel written by Charles Dickens, 1843. Can you believe that? 1843. So here's what I want to do. I want to just talk to you. I'm going to give you a little bit of backdrop to uh, the novel. Uh, I'm sure probably most of us in this room have either read the book, read the novel, or seen some version of it, uh, whether it's A Christmas Carol uh, with George C. Scott or whether it was even Jim Carrey's crazy version. Anyway, so whatever you saw, uh, you probably have some familiarity with it. And we're going to play a couple of clips in just a moment, but I need to kind of set the scene for you, all right? Christmas Carol opens up on what Dickens called a cold, bleak, biting Christmas Eve. Uh, Exactly seven years after one of the primary characters, Ebenezer Scrooge, his business partner, Mr. Marley, had died. Ebenezer Scrooge is, as I said, the focused character of the story. And he is described by Dickens as, I love this quote, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. That was Dickens, not me, all right? Said that. Who has no place in his life for kindness, compassion, charity, or any kind of benevolence at all. We all know, even by using the very name Scrooge, whether you'd ever had any familiarity with the Christmas Carol, you would know what it means to be Scrooge-like. It's almost become an adjective, isn't it? And we know that his most famous comment of all is what? Bah humbug. Can we all say it together? Bah humbug. As you can see, Ebenezer Scrooge has developed some um, very negative attitudes and convictions about, frankly, life in general. But you can see it has a particular target on Christmas because of what Christmas represented to him. And even people like his nephew and like his employees, he was extremely um, overbearing and negative and punishing to them and was out to destroy the joy of Christmas. Now, at this particular point, you may remember the name of his employee, Bob Cratchit. Who you'll see here in just a moment. But uh, Bob was the one who had the sixth son, you remember? And his name was Tiny Tim, yes. So uh, uh, basically what happens here is, is Scrooge is, um, is dousing everyone's Christmas and uh, making sure that they know how miserable uh, he is and how miserable he would like everybody else to be. However, he has a visit from what Dickens refers to as the ghosts of Christmas. Uh, I know, quite unlikely, isn't it? Last week we, uh, we talked about Santa Claus in church, and this week we're talking about ghosts, I know. But anyway, uh, it is the story from Dickens, and he talks about three kinds of ghosts of Christmas. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and then the ghost of Christmas yet to come. So in each of these visitations from these ghosts, he receives in this dream-like state, he receives insights about his past life and how that he used to enjoy life. And then he uh, remembered all the goodness um, of the past and how that he used to be and how that he lost his love and how missed opportunities. And then the ghost of Christmas present comes and shows him how people were really enjoying and celebrating Christmas around him, people who really understood the meaning of Christmas. He was even able to see from the ghost of Christmas present as he was led to observe Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim, his son, who he hardly had paid any attention to his condition. Finally, he's visited by the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And this is where he witnesses what is yet would come in the future, which included the untimely death of Tiny Tim and his own death. And he heard people speak, even fellow businessmen in the community, saying that they were had no interest in attending his funeral at all unless there was a luncheon served. He's not doesn't find the view of his future yet to come very positive and so scrooge wakes up from his dreams and has a change a total change of heart revelation came and a changed man he woke up on christmas day and as we know the story wraps up uh, saying merry christmas to all and to all a good night so I want to share with you two lessons that we can glean from a Christmas carol that are both biblically based, but also extremely relevant, not only to Scrooge, but for you and for me. All right, first lesson, number one, we should avoid being like Scrooge. Didn't take a lot to glean that out of that story, did it, huh? We should avoid... Being like Scrooge. You might say, well, of course we should avoid being like Scrooge. But let me suggest several kinds of Scrooge-like behavior that we should all purpose to avoid, not just this season, but all the time. All right? So before I give you those, that list, there's five of them, let me describe once more using Charles Dickens' words as he describes Ebenezer Scrooge. He says, no warmth could warm him. No wintry weather could chill him. No wind that blew was more bitter than he. The heaviest rain and snow and hail and sleet could boast of the advantage over him in only one respect. They often came down handsomely. And Scrooge never did. (laughs) That's the description of Mr. Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. So there's three, five, I'm sorry, there's five Scrooges I want us to all avoid. All right? These are all descriptions of him. Number one, a selfish Scrooge. Would you all agree that's a pretty one, that's a pretty good one to start with, right? This was the very root cause of the way he behaved and the way he thought. Because at the core of his being, it was all about who? Himself. It was all about him. His whole way of thinking was marked by selfishness. The truth of the matter is that the primary root of most of the problems that you and I deal with in life, if you boil it all down, guess what? It all goes back to self. May I remind you of a scripture? Well, actually, it's prophetic because Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3 what the end days are going to be like. Listen to this description. See if it hits uh, you where I think it hits all of us. Paul says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abuseful, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Not only should we not be scrooge like we're supposed to avoid them. Wow. I think you would agree that if you took all of those descriptive terms and tried to reduce them into one, you'd probably agree it has to do with what? Being selfish. Someone once said that our greatest enemy, the greatest enemy of our life is not Satan, but it's ourselves. Now, we're not denying the reality of Satan by any means, but I think too often we find others, including the devil himself, to blame for some of our issues and problems. When if we would simply learn to let the Spirit of God deal with our selfish, fleshly, carnal tendencies, we could live a much more fruitful life for Christ. Amen? So number one, let's don't be, let's don't be like Scrooge and be so self-centered. All right? Number two, a grumpy Scrooge. Not good. Being grumpy is not good. No other phrase describes his grumpiness better than that well-known description of his attitude towards Christmas, bah humbug. That's the grumpy Scrooge talking. As, we, uh, as you probably picked up, and you may recall from the story, there was at one point in his story that Fred stopped by to wish a Merry Christmas, just an innocent wish of a Merry Christmas, and once again, Scrooge's response was, bah humbug. Proverbs 1722 yet tells us that a cheerful heart, a merry heart, the King James says, does good like what? A medicine. A cheerful heart, which is what? The opposite of Grumpy Scrooge. A cheerful, joyful, rejoicing heart is just like taking good medicine. I think we ought to take some more of that medicine, don't you? I do. There are all kinds of reasons. I understand. There's all kinds of reasons to get grumpy. Not just this time of year, but any time. We can get uptight and cranky about Christmas. We can get uptight and cranky about marriage. We can get uptight and cranky and complain about our jobs, our employers, our co-workers, all kinds of things. But I challenge you tonight. Don't let Christmas get you down. Don't let people rob your joy, choose to have an attitude of rejoicing. It's quite interesting how many times the scripture says, don't grumble, don't grumble. It's interesting that word grumble, complain, some translations render that word, no complaining. The example the New Testament offers us of the Scrooge not to follow in the New Testament, the example is what? The children of Israel from the Old Testament. Because they were known for their grumbling. They were known for always complaining. It didn't matter whether they had manna, no manna, whether they had water, no water. It didn't matter what condition they were in. They were complainers. God was always dealing with them as complainers. You know what? Sometimes if we would learn to just be thankful and rejoice, and sometimes we ought to just be quiet rather than, Crumble and complain so much. Murmuring doesn't help you, and it clearly doesn't represent Jesus and Christ in our life. Can you say amen to that? All right. The third kind of Scrooge I want you to avoid is the greedy Scrooge. That's the characteristic that we find very obvious in this story. The book and the movie give us some hints as to this greed. At one point, Scrooge says this Scrooge describes Christmas this way It's a poor excuse for. Picking a man's pocket. Every 25th of December. It was all about money. How he could keep it for himself. Uh, At one time he rebuked his employee Bob Cratchit. For starting a fire. Turning on the fireplace. Putting coal in the fireplace. Because he said it just wastes money. Coal burns and goes away. But if you simply wear extra layers of coats, those will keep you warm and it doesn't cost any money. What a greedy individual he was. But you know what? Greed is not reserved for Ebenezer Scrooge. Unfortunately, there are many people today who fall into the habit of greed. That was the only thing he cared about. How he was going to make his neck, make his next dollar and hold on to it. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 speaks to us about this approach and attitude and characteristic by saying this, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in where in heaven. Where thieves do not break in and steal, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Boy, Scrooge, uh, he models verse 21. It was obvious where his treasure was. And there is where his heart was too. James chooses this subject of dealing with people who had money at his time. There were rich people in the church that were quite greedy. Listen to his rebuke. Starting in verse 1 of James chapter 5. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted. Malls have eaten your clothing. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded. You hear the, you hear the greedy part there? You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look. The wages you failed to pay your workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. And of course we know that it's the love of money. That's the root of evil. There's nothing wrong with having money, but it's when money has us. That it becomes greed. Greed is all about getting and keeping. God's desire is to bless us financially. It's his desire to prosper us as long as we keep Jesus as Lord of our lives. And use our money and steward it just like we do everything else. Don't be a greedy Scrooge. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be greedy. Thank you so much. Number four. Christless Scrooge. There are a lot of people who get into Christmas, as Stacy said in the worship set, for all the wrong reasons. We are living in a day, in a culture, in which it's no longer politically correct to even say Merry Christmas. Instead, we must say what? Happy Holidays. Because it might offend someone. This is the Christless Scrooge, where we remove Christ from Christmas. By the way, I have a particular little thing to pick for a moment. I don't have a lot of hobby horses that I ride, but this one I'm pretty picky about. Don't ever let me see you send a Christmas card that says Xmas, okay? I just have a particular problem with that. And you might say, You are old fashioned. So be it. Why do you want to X Christ? out of Christmas for the sake of saving a few letters, all right? The Christless Scrooge is the one who removes Christ from Christmas. They may make it all about gift giving. They may make it all about decorations. They may make it about nativity scenes. They may make it about um, Santa Claus, or they may make it about the elves, or they may make it about anything at all, or even football, or even eating food. Nothing wrong with any of that. But if it comes at the replacement of Christ and the true reason for the season, then we become a Christless Scrooge. Colossians 1.18 says that Christ is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in all things he may have preeminence. That means first place. First place in everything. Listen, this Christmas and every day of your life, let Christ have preeminence. I am concerned that Frosty the Snowman is more popular than Jesus in the manger. I'm not, I I, I can't change the culture, but we can change ourselves. And we can make sure that ourselves, our families, and those that we influence know the importance of keeping Christ at the center of Christmas. Amen? Number five, religious Scrooges. Oh, you're going to love this one. If Christless Scrooge is on one end of the continuum, this is the exact opposite. Have you ever met anybody that gets real religious about Christmas? I have had plenty of experiences with religious spirits and people who yield to them this is the person who is very focused on christmas being uh, a special time a spiritual time but they have no time for anything other than that they jump to the extreme and become very legalistic very pharisaical and so all you have to do if you have a listen i know some people that would even consider having a christmas tree in a church or a Christmas tree in your home, they would call you an idolater. I know churches, large, successful churches, who preach against anything that are frills traditions of Christmas. I don't know about you, but a religious spirit can ruin the joy of Christmas. In fact, religious people are rarely fun people to be around. I don't find religious people fun to be with at all. Jesus said that the Pharisees, and that's what it really is like, were prone to, listen to this description of Matthew 23, 4, to tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Pharisees were those who acted spiritual, but who corrupt in their own hearts. Listen, don't get hung up on well. December 25th, this wasn't, this real, This is a pagan date. It wasn't the original. Who cares? Let's celebrate. Let's just celebrate Jesus. Can we just do that? Let's just celebrate his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection. Let's just celebrate it every week of the year and not get hung up on what pagan day was this and that. Lord, help us not to be so religious. Can someone say amen? A religious group. Hmm. All right. I said there was two lessons to learn from this Christmas carol, right? The first is what? Don't be like Scrooge. We should avoid being a Scrooge. Number 2. We can all be transformed. Really if there was a theme, a thesis if you will of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, it was the theme of someone can change. It took a revelation ebenezer scrooge to change but he changed like that what's the message the message is is that we can all be transformed but true transformation takes far more than a dream one night true transformation unfortunately uh, is not going to come by having a vision of the ghost of christmas the only way true change and transformation for our human condition happens is through Jesus Christ. You may have even heard it said before, an old dog cannot learn new tricks. Or At least that's what people say. The truth of the matter is an old dog may not learn new tricks, but people can be changed and transformed by Christ. Once a Scrooge, always a Scrooge. Not with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 reminds us what? If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things passed away, all things become new. In many ways, that scripture is, is demonstrated by the turnaround, 180 degree change from 24 hours before in the life of Ebenezer Scrooge to the day of Christmas morning when he woke up and immediately started giving away his money. Immediately wanted to go and enjoy Christmas as everyone else was. So what Paul's speaking about here in 2 Corinthians is change. Change that doesn't happen naturally. It happens supernaturally. It goes beyond what is normal. It goes beyond what's considered just a reasonable adjustment. No, we who are in Christ become new people at the time of salvation. Not only were we changed when we came to Christ, but you can change now. All you have to do is invite the Holy Spirit to deal with your life and to transform us. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we're transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. That's the key. I love what Paul tells us in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, he declares. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But it's Christ that lives in me. That's transformation, folks. When we no longer see the way we, it's just us. We see Christ in one another. and We let Christ live through us. Yes, he wants us to be made anew. He doesn't want us to be the same old person. He wants us to confess our sins. But he wants us to have our minds renewed. And he wants to show us how to live an awesome, changed life in him. How did Ebenezer Scrooge change? Well, a couple of ways. In the beginning, he he didn't even want to give Bob Cratchit the day off, even though it was Christmas Day. And in the story, we see him actually doubling his salary. In the end, Scrooge sent the largest turkey in the market over to the Cratchit house for dinner to the shock of the family. In the beginning... Ebenezer Scrooge despised poor people. But in the end, he gave a large amount of money to help those in need. In the beginning, he ignored what little family he had left. He had no time for them at all. But now at the end, he goes and he tries to restore the relationship with his nephew and his wife. The end of A Christmas Carol. At the end of the story, let me just read to you Um, what dickens says of scrooge scrooge was better than his word he did it all and infinitely more he became as good a friend as good a master as good a man as the good old city knew and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep christmas well If any man alive possessed the knowledge. Even Ebenezer Scrooge was changed. But even more powerfully is you and me. We can continue to let God change us. Change our talk to where it glorifies him more. To change our thought life. To change our attitudes. To change our reactions to people. To change our behavior to where people will actually want to inquire what's different about your life. Isn't that really the power of Christmas? Is God's power to change us? To make us like him. The hope is the end of the goal of the journey. This journey, Christian life, discipleship, is all about becoming like him. That's the goal. Paul said to the Romans to be conformed. To be conformed to the image of Christ. That's the ultimate prize that all of us should keep in focus. So, in the midst of your caroling, in the midst of your celebrating, please. Let's keep our minds focused on his power to change us. And no scrooges allow. Amen. Would you stand and pray with me tonight? You didn't realize that a Christmas carol had so much to say to us, did you? Huh? Let's pray together. Lord, we're just thankful that you've made us new people. You've forgiven us. Our sins. You've given us a new life through Christ. We're so thankful tonight that we can stand here tonight. New creatures. Old things passed away. And everything's new through Jesus. We're so thankful, Lord. that We have the opportunity to demonstrate your love. The message not only of the birth of Christ, but of the life of Christ. And what you did at Calvary in order to change us. If it weren't for your death and your resurrection, we'd all be in a hopeless condition. We'd all be Scrooges. Thank you, Lord, for even using a classic tale, story, movie, like A Christmas Carol, to teach us relevant lessons. living for you so lord i pray that our christmas in 2014 would not just be classic but it would be christ filled and christ focused lord we're overflowing tonight with joy with thanksgiving for all that you've done for And we're also filled with anticipation and expectation for what more glorious days lie ahead. Fill our hearts tonight with your spirit. We thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you for all these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.